Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the show. Thanks for tuning in on this Wednesday. Sorry I wasn't around yesterday. A, a friend of mine uh, lost a uh, lost the dog. I, I don't like dogs, but I love this one very much. He was just a, a great, great dog. It was like a pit bull mix. Sweetest dog in the world. His name was Oscar, and um, well, the show is uh, dedicated to Oscar the dog, the, the greatest dog in all the land. Um, so... Uh, what are we talking about tonight? We're going to talk a lot about snooze. Honestly, the show is years overdue. I should have done this a long time ago, and I should do similar things about snooze more often because it truly is a miracle, and uh, more people should know about it. All vapors should know about it, and I'll tell you why, even if you don't plan on using it. Um, we'll talk a little bit about Donald Trump, uh, guns, UFC Mega Weekend, and... Uh, what else do I have? Oh, you know what? Uh, let me start off with two quick things. First of all, uh, just in terms of entertainment, uh, you know, the, the what was that show? True Detective had this uh, this first amazing season, you know? Uh, it was absolutely fantastic. And then the second season was crap. You know, they did a whole new storyline with a whole new set of characters. So you're kind of rolling the dice when you do that kind of thing, and it just didn't work. It just did not work out. Um, terrible. First season, highly recommended. Second we, second season, garbage. Fargo did something similar. They did uh, the first season, which was universally lauded. Fantastic, fantastic television. And then the second season, they decided to do the same thing. They didn't replace everyone on the cast, but just about everyone. So just about completely new, new cast and just about a completely, well, definitely a totally different storyline, although there were some allusions to it and there were some foreshadowing, I suppose, in season one. The difference is Fargo season two is killing it. I mean, I think it's better than season one so far. There's only one episode left. Uh, I don't see what they could do to, to, to hurt it. I mean, I, I mean, I didn't think they could possibly do any better. Now, now there's, it's a little different. The first season was really, really dark. Um, and if you're, I mean, if you're familiar with the movie Fargo, there are some similarities, but honestly, overall, and I know this is a, this is a taller, it's better than the movie. I mean, both seasons, they're, you know, it's a TV show versus a movie. I understand they're very different things, but overall, the TV show is better. I mean, it's amazing. Highly, highly recommended, uh, you know, you can start with season one or you could just pick up, the, it doesn't, the, the, the order you watch them, it doesn't really matter. So uh, go watch Fargo. It's great. I think it's on FX. I'm not sure. I'm sure you'll be able to figure out some way to get your hands on it. Here is the now, this is completely out of left field here. I'm sure a certain percentage of the listening audience here plays fantasy football. Of that certain percentage, whatever it is, uh, probably about half of you are out of it, you know, in your leagues. You're, you're probably, you know, just statistically speaking, half of you probably did not make the playoffs. So sorry about that. But I'm going to give you an opportunity here. Um. I always do well in fantasy football. Every league, except for the first season that I played when I didn't know anything, after that first season, every single season I've played, I've either been in the finals or won the championship. I'm really, really good at it. It's gone to a completely different level this year. My team is 12-1. and one. I have... Uh, I've scored 500 more points than the league average. I am absolutely crushing it. 
and that brings to you an opportunity. I have decided to sell my team. What I have done, and I first offered this to the people who are in my league, and now I'm offering it to you. I have taken my team and I have divided it into 20 shares. Think of it like a company offering public, uh, you know, offering the public to buy stock. So I have 20 shares of my team available for sale. Each um, share costs $5. And I want to get this exactly right. So let me pull up what I uh, have offered. So what you can do is you can buy shares for $5. In exchange, so here's what happens. If I get first place, for each $5 share, you win $15 or tripling up your money. Second place uh, will get you a little better than break even at $7. And if I get in third place, you get back $3. Um, I offer this to my league and of the 20 shares, 10 of them were bought. So I have 10 shares left. Uh, I'm happy to provide you with any kind of information you want, you know, whatever details about my team. Who, who, who. I'll give you whatever you want if you're interested. Um, like I said, there's 10 shares left. You can buy one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, or 10 shares. Um, first come, first serve. If you're interested in this and you want to extend uh, your fantasy football season vicariously and be able to make some money and still actually have a reason to watch Red Zone the next couple, the next few Sundays, uh, let me know. And by the way, like I said, I'm in the playoffs. There are three weeks in the playoffs, and because I had the best record, I get a bye week. So I'm already in the next round. So it's a good deal, I think, and a little opportunity for you to make some money and uh, have some fun. So there you go. I'm pretty sure that's the first time anyone has ever offered to sell Shares of fantasy football. What fucking nonsense. Uh, welcome to the show. started and hey i liked better call saul i thought that was a good show is that coming back yeah and walking dead has been pretty good but nothing happened last week it was kind of that's they, they, they do that sometimes they, they, they are really good with stretching the budget all right anyway uh before we get started with snooze uh i saw a great article just before the show this was uh written uh it's on the hill.com and it was written by uh I believe a member of Congress, I believe he's in the House of Representatives in uh, California, just telling, I don't agree with everything that he said, but overall, it's a major elected official saying some real nice things about vaping. Uh, this is definitely a shareworthy article, so check it out. Uh, don't stifle vaping. By the way, that that is one of my favorite words, stifle, because the way I usually use it is when you're talking to somebody, 
and you want them to shut up, the best thing to say, don't, don't, if you tell them to shut up and they say, no, you shut up. No. Best thing to do is you say, they're talking some nonsense. Just say, stifle. And it always works. And the reason why is that, first of all, you've got about a 40% chance that that person doesn't know what the word stifle means. So they're just going to, you know, their brain's going to lock up. It's the way to do it. Stifle. Put it in your quiver. Anyway, great article. Okay. Uh, let me just do this real quick first before we get to snooze. Uh, the UFC is has a ridiculous weekend uh, starting tomorrow, Thursday, and then Friday and then Saturday. I mean, there is just an enormous amount of top quality fighting coming up. Uh, on Thursday, they have a... What is this? On Thursday, they have... Uh, a good, I, I don't, the only fight I'm familiar with is um, there's a female fighter by the name of Van Zant, and she is really good, very exciting, ridiculously aggressive. Um, I may check out some of the undercards, but I mean, that's the fight for me on Thursday. That should be really good. On Friday, there's a Edgar versus Mendez fight, which should be really, really good. Um, some of the undercards are interesting as well. Saturday, I mean, obviously, you've probably heard by now Aldo versus McGregor for the 145-pound uh, or the uh, featherweight championship. They technically both have a belt because they were supposed to fight several months ago, but then, uh, I'm sorry, Aldo, Aldo, uh, whatchamacallit, he broke his ribs and he couldn't fight. And, like, the UFC put, like, a tremendous amount of pressure on him to fight anyway, but uh, he couldn't fight, so he didn't. So uh, McGregor fought someone else, and now he's, he's the interim champion. So they both have a belt, which is kind of weird. Um, anyway, this fight, you know, when the fight was first announced in August, the betting line opened up at McGregor was a two to one favorite today. They are almost even, um, it's Al, uh, the McGregor, I'm sorry. McGregor is a slight favorite. Like I some of the lines I saw is you lay a hundred, uh, or I'm sorry, you lay like one fifteen to win a hundred. And for uh, Aldo, you lay 100 to win like 105 or 110. There's some fluctuation with that. Obviously, you could probably find, you know, depending on what who you want to who you want to bet on, you could probably find, you know, decent odds. Or if you just find a friend uh, you want to bet with, you can probably get um, even money, you know, from somebody. Regardless, anyway, very close, very different fighters. Um, going to be a phenomenal fight, I guarantee. Uh, just, I love, I, I don't know. I, I think, I honestly think that, um, Aldo is going to win. I just think he is just a better overall fighter. I mean, just in terms of, uh, he has all the tools. That's the thing. He, he has all the tools and he has this brutal, brutal leg kick. I mean, th there was this guy, I forgot the name of the fight. If you you can look up on YouTube, it'll probably be the, you know, two fights ago or something. I think, I mean, this leg kick that he has, I mean, you can barely even walk. When it, it, it from from like two kicks, two leg kicks that you take, you've already got internal bleeding in your leg. I mean, it is devastating, uh, and I think he could use that to to great effect on McGregor. McGregor just the fluidity and just the, he 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 fights beautifully, and he talks. He is the best shit talker. I mean, people said Rousey was 
shit. Rousey was a shit talker. She just wasn't particularly good at it. I mean, it didn't really matter up until the last fight because, I mean, well, she would just, you know, fucking kill everybody. So it didn't matter that she wasn't. He is he is an artist. I mean, it is. He takes it to a new level and it is unbelievable. Um, I don't know how much that means once you get in the ring, but I don't know. I, the, two great fighters going to be a great, great uh, night. And also there's uh, two other undercard fights that look great. We got Weidman versus Rockhold in the 185-pound uh, middleweight and um, Souza versus Romero. I mean, it's, I mean, Saturday night is whew, off the hook and, Thursday and Friday, there's good fights too. I mean, I, I, I on the uh, on the on a Saturday night, I think every every main card fighter is in the top fifteen in their in their class, and I don't think I don't remember a time where a UFC event has been stacked that heavily with just like big name fighters, super super talent. Gonna be good, gonna be good, and by the way. I suppose it's best to do off the record. I, you know, they charge exorbitant amounts of money for these fights, you know. Not all of them, but the, the, the main ones, you know, like the, the, what is this, UFC 194? I would guess it's 100 bucks or 90 bucks or something like that. If you need a way to get it in high quality, just send me an email to clickbangradio at gmail.com. I'll, I'll help you out. Let's just leave it at that. Anyway, all right, so snooze. I started using, you know, the way I found out about snooze was from vaping because I would, I, I started this vaping. It was great. And then I heard about snooze because it was discussed on some forum, you know, on, on a, whatchamacallit, on ECF, which I, I used to go to. I don't go to anymore. I would see some things on snooze and, you know, you go to the CASA page. Obviously, they speak very highly of, of, of uh, snooze and, you know, all forms of smokeless tobacco. So you hear about it enough and I'm just like, Beth fuck it let's give it a shot and somehow i when i started i went straight to like the gold standard i i don't know it was it's like you know when you start vaping you start with crap and then you build up to better gear for some reason i just i i looked at snooze and i just went to like the best not the best possible way to use it but like one of the i i started using the loose snooze so let's all right before i get into that Anyway, I used it for a while. I really, really enjoyed it. I probably used it for about a year or so. And then I just stopped using it. And it was probably because of the way I was using it. And that'll make more sense in a second. I was using the loose variety, which is not convenient at all, but extremely satisfying. And I guess it just was, you know, it was just something I would do at home. And, you know, it was, yeah, I, I kind of grew out of it, I guess. I, or I don't know. I, I should have considered the packets and I didn't at the time. Anyway. Fast forward and, you know, I still, I, you know, I, I open up my refrigerator. I got the, I got those things. They're two years old now. They were all, I opened it up. They were all dried out. And I'm like, you know what? I want to go. I want some snooze again. I want to, I want to do it again. So what I did was I, I went to the, there's a lot of good companies, but the, the Swedish, uh, the Swedish match company or the general, um, general snooze as it's more commonly known as general snooze is a really good company. I've had their stuff in the past. So I knew that there were places where you could buy it. I, I seem to recall seeing it in a 7-Eleven. So that's the first place I went. Now, I went, when I went to the 7-Eleven, it wasn't there anymore. And I'm like, you know, I was maybe I, maybe I didn't see it. I asked, I'm like, do you have snooze? And he said, yes. And he's pointing to the wall and it's Camel and whatever the Marlboro version is or, you know, the, the Kodiak and 
oh, the shit, the shit I didn't want. And then I'll explain why in a minute. And I'm like, oh, well, that sucks. I'm, I'm sure they had it here in the past, and now they don't. Um, side note, I also noticed how much uh, the, the wall, you know, the, the, the great wall of tobacco that's behind the counter at 7-Eleven and other convenience stores. I, took a, I just took a look around because I was looking for general. I was looking for the snooze I wanted. And I just, you know, started to look around and noticed some interesting things I'll just mention here offhand. First of all, the big tobacco versions of e-cigarettes, I noticed have now taken the same space on the shelf. Usually they have cigarettes and then like down into the right, you know, you got some e-cigs. Now you got, I, I'm pretty sure it was, it was either Views or Mark 10. I don't remember which one. They are right next to the Marlboros, literally like on the same shelf. So you got the Marlboro Reds and right next to it in those same areas that used to have cigarette packs up there, you got their stuff. Interesting. Um, I remember not long ago, particularly when Enjoy came out with the King, not only did Enjoy have a, a ton of space, they they had these pop-up displays. They had uh, banners outside. They had these these uh, carousels that spun around and you could you know, pick out your Kings or whatever. Now, Enjoy, they had like a few little things all the way on the bottom, all the way in the corner. Um, and this, I would have to think, is just as a result of the... Uh, the representatives, the sales reps for Big Tobacco have have squeezed this other stuff out. Um, I think it's a little bit different with the general snooze, and I'll explain why in a minute. So anyway, uh, I guess where I really should have started is what is snooze, uh, for those of you who don't know. Um, snooze is a form of oral tobacco that originated in Sweden about 300 years ago. Um, it is spelled S-N-U-S, but pronounced snooze, not snus. Uh, it is, without a doubt, um, one of the oldest and the safest way uh, to use tobacco known to man. Um, it's primarily been a Scandinavian phenomenal, phenomena until the last decade, where it's, um, it's gained a lot of popularity in Europe and America. Uh, it's smokeless, spitless, and almost completely non-carcinogenic. Um, it has been widely successful as a smoking cessation tool. Although they're not allowed to say that, at least not in this country. So uh, snooze primarily comes in two forms, uh, loose and portioned. And like I said, when I started, I just went straight to the loose snooze. Um, it just made sense to me that it would be a better experience. And I still use loose snooze and I use an ice tool and I really um, enjoy it. The problem with loose snooze is that it is it is just extremely inconvenient. Um Basically, what loose snooze is, you open it up and it just it looks like a, you know, a bunch of uh, moist tobacco in a can. Um, you can take a pinch of it and form it into a into a what they call a press. Basically, just compact it into a little portion which you can put up into your uh, upper lip. Snooze is using the upper lip, not the lower lip. And again, you don't spit. You don't need to spit. Um, so I, I got my ice tool. I got my loose snooze, and I was using it. And I enjoyed. The problem is. Um, and if anyone has an, uh, uh, I, I still have this issue with the loose snooze, which is why I'll only use it at home. I won't go out with it. Is even though I have this ice tool, which makes a really, really firm, nice little portion, and I put that up there, invariably it does, it starts to run after a while. So, you know, if you're out and you're, you have this in, and, and it's been in there for a while, you know, if you smile, people are going to see this. It looks like mud running into your teeth. I haven't figured out a good way. I've tried different portion sizes. 
um, it, it always just runs on me eventually. And I don't care if I'm home and, you know, I don't care if it runs into my teeth. I, I, I don't mind at all because nobody can see it. But when you're out, it's, you know, and then you can't just discreetly, you know, take it out of your mouth. You got to go find a restroom and, you know, scoop it out with your finger and then wash your hands. It's, it's, it's a process, you know. So that is probably why I never got super into snus when I started was because I was using the loose and there was just really no, it's too inconvenient to use when you're out and about. So when I decided, okay, I'm going to get some snus, I don't know what, what gave me the bug uh, a month or so ago, I said, all right, well, let me go and see where I could buy it, you know, in Manhattan. And like I said, I went to the 7-Eleven, they didn't have any, so then I went home and I went on the general, um, the general snus website and they have a, uh, a store locator. So I said, okay, great. Let me see what, what's the closest store to me that has it. Now, here's the problem. Uh, the store locator is not up to date, but what you can, what you can rely that they, they still have all these locations that used to carry it that no longer do. However, if you look, there are two different types of general snooze dealers or resellers. There's the regular one. And then there's like the, I don't know, the special one, the, uh, uh, the gold, the, the, the silver or the gold dealer or whatever it is. And those those places are accurate and, and up to date. So so I I went to the one the the closest one to me it was um, I've since found another store that has them locally, but I went up to West Fourth Street and there was a place uh, it was basically a head shop that had it. Now here's here's what's interesting and I, I think this is this is a great thing and a bad thing. Um, the great thing is is that when you buy General Snus, it's always sold the the store has to sell it in a refrigerator that's moisture controlled and it is um, actually, the, the refrigerator is made by the general company, made by General Snus. So it's guaranteed that when you go there, you're gonna have the fresh, nice, moist, everything's gonna be right. It's the perfect environment. Now that's great for the consumer. It's bad because now that there are these other options like Camel and the and the, the other American versions of snus, they don't have that. So what that means, particularly for a small bodega or gas station or whatever, is it's just so much easier for them to carry the regular, you know, American versions because it doesn't require a refrigerator, which takes up space and requires an electrical outlet. They just put it with all the other tobacco and they, they don't have to think about it. Now, with General, you have to have this special refrigerator or else you can't sell it. And that's really problematic for some places. Maybe that's why, I don't know, maybe that's why 7-Eleven doesn't do it anymore. I don't know, the stores just, I guess they don't wanna, there isn't enough, I don't think in America there is enough brand recognition, you know, of snooze where people are really going out and seeking general, you know, who know any better, maybe they're just gonna be trying it, whatever. So it's a good thing and a bad thing. Anyway, so I go and I bought some, I bought some general, um, white label and then i bought some wintergreen the wintergreen i have a feeling this is just i don't think this is a product that you're going to find from you know if you if you go online to buy snus i don't think that the wintergreen is something that they're really offering to the european marketplace i really think it's a, an american product it is way way over flavored and 
I think they're doing that because most of the snooze that is sold by, you know, Lorillard, RJ Reynolds, what, you know, all the, the, that stuff is over flavored also. So that, that sucked. I didn't enjoy that at all, but I also bought, you know, just the, I think they just call it the general white, which is just the regular. And that is uh, identical to the snooze that is sold in Sweden. So I bought that too. And that was great. And, um, you know, I, I found myself going to it, um, quite often more than, more than vaping. I was reaching for, for my snooze and really enjoying it. Um, all right, well, let's get back to the, to the history there. I don't know how I get off on that. I'm always with the tangents. So anyway, um, uh, and in terms of the marketplace, um, 80, 80 in, in America, I would think it would be over 90, but in, uh, in Sweden, where they're the most, or in Scandinavia, where there's uh, the most number of uh, snooze users in the world, uh, probably 80% are using the packets, and then, you know, 20% are, you know, the, the packets are actually fairly new. These these little, you know, these little pouches that you can just conveniently put into your lip and discreetly take out when you're done with them. They're fairly new. You know, like I said, snooze has been around for 300 years. The packet version has only been sold to the general public since the 19, you know, the late 1970s. So, in terms of the, uh, the the whole chronology of snooze, the packets are very new, um, but they're great. You know, very discreet. Nobody knows you're using it. Uh, and the uh, the release is actually faster than the. Uh, I, I find it to be faster. The flavor and the uh, the nicotine release is probably a little bit faster than the loose. I don't know why, but that's the way I feel when I use it. Um. Uh, and. Uh, while the snooze users are generally male, there are some versions of snooze that are marketed more to women. Um, the catch uh, is what General Snooze calls it. It's very popular with women. I've tried it. It's good. Um, so snooze is not like regular, uh, it's not like chewing tobacco. It's not like dip. Um, it's very, very different. And the main reason why, and, and it's not like American snooze either, Um the, the main reason why is that most versions of American diff or oral snuff are fire cured and fermented. And that actually causes the uh, the TSNA count or the t tobacco specific nitrosamine count to uh, increase. Um, and it's to a level that I, you know, for me, it's unacceptable. But, you know, everyone has their own. You know, this is something. I, I kind of disagree. I, I'm I'm very thankful that Casa is not only a proponent of vaping, but also for smokeless tobacco. I think that's a huge. I, I really do think it's a net positive. I do disagree with them. Um, I I don't. I don't know that Casa um, makes enough of a distinction between snooze and why it's so awesome, and all of the other um, oral tobaccos, which I don't think are awesome at all, really. Um, not just from a using perspective, because I've never tried any of them. I'm sure it's very pleasant uh, if you like that kind of thing. But uh, I don't think it's safe. If you, if you ask some of these guys, some of these you know so-called scientists, they will tell you that they're all 95 or 98 percent safer than tobacco, and I just that uh, safer than smoking tobacco. And I just don't believe that. I do not believe that dip and chewing tobacco is as free of risk as they say. That said, I absolutely do believe that snooze is. So what makes it so different? And it's in the, basically the difference is when you compare the two, the, the typical American chewing tobacco products and 
their various cousins are fire cured and fermented, whereas uh, snus is pasteurized. The pasteurization and and air dried. The pasteurization process brings the TNS, the TSNA count down to just fractional levels, just very very small levels. Um, if you were to ask me, what is safer, snus or vaping? I don't think it's even close. Snus is, in my mind, and I believe the uh, the scientific literature out there and the, and the studies that have been done, and like I said, snus is 300 years old. They've got well over 30 years of hardcore scientific analysis. There's no question in my mind, snus is way safer than vaping. Um, but then again, we don't have 30 years of research on vaping. We do have it on snus, so I'm just going by the information that's out there. Um, I don't think it's even close. Um, so anyway, uh, the because snus is pasteurized, which again reduces uh, the TSNA count so much, also makes the runoff juice safe to swallow. Um, that's why you don't have to spit. You can you can if you want to. I, I've never known somebody who uses snus to actually spit, but hey, to each his own. Um, and also you put it in the upper lip and not the lower lip. Okay, so let, let's let's go back a few hundred years. Let's start in the 1700s. So snus came to Sweden um, sometime around the year 1700. Uh, tobacco was starting to become popular in Europe. Um, pipe smoking, cigars were, were very, very popular. Um, in, in Sweden, uh, nasal uh, snuff was at that time the most popular way to consume tobacco um, for the working class people. Tobacco was very hard to grow in Sweden and uh, what little did grow was usually substandard product. Uh, the American Virginia tobacco was uh, the best in the world at the time, probably still is today, uh, maybe, uh, or maybe Cuba, but that's for cigars. Um, it was very expensive to get imported from America, so really only the wealthy had access to premium American tobacco. Um, so basically what the farmers were doing was doing the best they could um, curing it and masking it with juniper, citrus. They were putting all kinds of stuff in it, into it to make this really low-grade tobacco usable. And um, like I said, it was the powdered form that was inhaled uh, or snorted. Um, after some time, uh, a new industry started to flourish when uh, in the 1750s, Snus as we know it today uh, was used and basically, well, I'll get into the into the history. It basically started with this guy. I don't know how to pronounce this name. Uh, Jacob Lungi? Lungle? Lungle? I don't know how to pronounce it right. Um, he was basically tired of all the substandard tobacco that were used to, being used to make snus and then covering that tobacco taste with cheap flavorings in order to mask uh, the the unpleasant taste of the tobacco that was being used at the time. So he took a page out of Louis Pasteur's book and applied the pasteurization process um, and also began using and buying Virginia tobacco, which was, uh, so basically, which was the best you can. Now, this was quite a gamble because it was so expensive to get that tobacco, but all he was interested in was making the best product available. So at the time, the only ingredients in that first Ethan uh, snus of the, uh, you know, um, I, I don't know if it was the 1820s or 30s, whenever he came out with that, 
or water, to, water tobacco, and salt. Uh, the salt is used in snus. It actually brings out more of the flavor, which is what you want to do if you actually have good tobacco in there. So he was, his only goal really was to improve the quality and the experience of the snus he was producing. And he just thought, well, if I bake the snus at a very low temperature, like milk, pasteurization, um, it will give the tobacco a pure and uniform, uh, uniform taste that didn't vary much from batch to batch. He had no idea that the combination of air curing, stand by, sorry about that. He had no idea that the combination of doing an air curing process with the pasteurization reduced the number of carcinogenic nit nitrosamines that could lead to mouth cancer. Um, so it was a complete accident that this guy invented the product that is that is still to this day the safest way to, to use tobacco. Uh, he was just trying to make the best product. Turns out he made the world's safest tobacco product. Um, so if we move into the 1900s, um, at this point, snus was the most popular way to consume tobacco in Sweden and Norway. Uh, Denmark um, had some use, um, but not as much, but it was, you know, at least somewhat prevalent. Um, and then um, Etan started shipping product to America for consumption by Swedish immigrants. Um, and in fact, there are some populations that actually name streets after snus. So, so here's what happened. In, in 1915, the economy of Sweden collapsed and was nearly bankrupt. And um, the government did something uh, very, in, very uh, uh, interesting. Um, the snus industry was, at the time, Sweden's biggest financial asset. So what the government of Sweden did was they actually seized the entire industry to finance the country. All of the independent snus factories were absorbed by the government and merged into one company. I'm not going to bother to try to pronounce it, but it translates to literally Swedish tobacco monopoly. Svensk's <laughs> tobacco monopolet. <laughs> literally Swedish tobacco, at least, at least they're honest. Uh, production of all the major band, brands continued uh, under the nationalization, but all of the proceeds went to the government. It's very similar to what Castro did when he seized control of all of Cuba's uh, cigar makers in uh, 1959. So under the new economic crisis, uh, Swedish immigrants, they began leaving Sweden because it really sucked and heading in mass to the United States. And with them, they brought snus. Snus, during this initial wave of immigration to America, snus was so popular in areas that had large Swedish population, streets, political parties, neighborhoods. They carried names like Snus Boulevard, Snus Junction, Snus Hill. Um, Chicago had a large Swedish population um, and started some of the first American brands of snus in the 20s and 30s. Um, by 1940, I don't know why, but they were basically all gone. Um, basically American companies were making cheaper product, but again, not using the true Swedish method. So, um, Copenhagen and, and Skoll were making more 
affordable products and snus pretty much died for a short time you know after the 1940s in america um going back to sweden um in the 1960s and 70s cigarette use was becoming more and more popular just like it was in america but still a huge portion of the swedish population was using snus uh, finally, in 1973, the snus monopoly was disbanded and renamed Swedish Match. Swedish Match uh, still commands a large per uh, percentage of the snus market, as well as a sizable chunk of the United States uh, smokeless market and cigar industry. Um, and sadly, they have partnered with uh, Philip Morris, but still, they do still have the same high quality of, of product. Listen, there's a ton of really good uh, snus companies out there. Swedish Match is the biggest. I use it primarily because, pardon me, I use it primarily because I don't have to go out to the internet. I do primarily buy my snus on the internet, but if I'm running low, I can run somewhere nearby and get it, and it's a great product. And when I do buy it on the internet, the price is really good. I'll talk about this new XR product that they have, which is really phenomenal. Um, anyway... Uh, as much as snus was catching on more and more, particularly in the 70s after uh, the packetized version or the portioned, uh, you know, little pouch version of snus came, that really helped the popularity a lot because it became much more discreet, much more uh, accessible. Um, more and more women started using it. So uh, use in Europe was increasing and, you know, obviously still the most popular country with Sweden, where you will still find to this day the lowest, almost nobody in Sweden gets lung cancer. Their, their rates of smoking are the lowest in the entire world. Uh, it has been a true public health miracle, um, at least for this one state, at least for this one country. Uh, we have an enormous amount of data. It's not an opinion, it's a fact. This product has saved over hundreds of years, you know, millions of lives. Um, it's a miracle, and that's why I call it the Swedish miracle. Now, here is where things start to go horribly bad for uh, smokeless tobacco users in Europe. Um, basically, what has happened? I don't. I don't have a. I don't have a timeline. I don't know when this exactly started. But the EU basically said there that snus, as well as I think just about every other form of oral tobacco, is banned in the EU. The only exception to this is Sweden. Uh, Sweden literally said to the EU, "We will not join the EU unless you unless you let us continue to produce and sell snus." And there was like a standoff over it, and. Sweden stuck to their guns. Um, I think it was in part they did want to protect an important industry for the country. And in part, I think they actually, you know, part of it was actually like they know that this is a good thing. They know that this saves lives and they just weren't willing to bend. The EU pushed back really, really hard, but Sweden actually won. And that is why the only country that you are illegally allowed to buy snus in, in the EU is Sweden. 
Now, you still can buy snus in Norway, but that is because Norway is not a part of the EU. Hmm. I wonder what, I wonder what the deal is in Switzerland. Hmm. I would expect you would be able to get it. Obviously, Switzerland is not in the EU, but I don't know. Maybe they have their own weird laws. I, I don't know. I should have looked that up. I'm interested. If anyone knows, let me know. And if anyone wants to, any any snus people want to call in and talk, it's two, you know the number, 347-308-8329. Um, and uh, just as a, a follow-up, um, Denmark, I thought I had a link. This is just this year, actually. Denmark, for whatever reason, they didn't push back the same way, which, you know, Copenhagen is in Denmark, the obviously the city, but the, the tobacco brand, the, the smokeless tobacco brand. And they did not really push back hard like Sweden did it, to the best of my knowledge. It seems that they just kind of ignored the fact that the EU banned snus and other forms of oral tobacco. They ignored it and they continued to sell it and they can and and the there they have allowed the government has allowed you know stores to continue to sell snus really up until just now. Uh the EU sued Denmark because Denmark was not enforcing uh stores from selling snus and, and other forms of oral tobacco. And just this year, just a couple of months ago. Uh, Denmark lost the lawsuit, and I think they're kind of screwed at this point. I think uh, come the first of the year, which is, you know, less than a month away, I think it's over. I think it's over in Denmark now, too. Um, really poor strategy just to try to ignore it. I mean, you can't... You, listen, you jumped, you, you jumped in the boat. You're in the EU. You, bad, bad choice, but now you're stuck with the rules, so... Um, so uh, Sweden uh, has a, a branch of their government that is basically the same thing as the FDA. So we'll just we'll just call it the Swedish FDA. So I don't have to pronounce it. So the Swedish FDA, uh, many many years ago, began a comprehensive thirty year study of the effects of snus on adults. This uh, coincided with the regulation of snus as a food grade product, whose ingredients and composition were now printed on the can itself. Um, they initially had a preliminary warning that said snus may cause oral cancer. Uh, the government decided to take that off the can as the study resulted in the finding that snus could not be linked to any form of cancer, oral or otherwise. The Swedish government, I'm, listen, I'm not for this kind of thing, but this, sometimes it works out. The Swedish government guarantees the safety of its snus and refuses to concede that it is a harmful substance when used in moderation, as there is no evidence whatsoever showing any... God, excuse me. As there is no evidence showing any link towards any deleterious health side effects of using snus. Um, most Swedish health advocates and officials advocate strongly for snus to stop smoking tobacco, and uh, a lot of those people who are actually in the Swedish health ministry use snus. Um, the evidence speaks for itself. Sweden uses more tobacco per person than the United States, yet has the lowest cancer rate in all of Europe. Uh, Sweden uh, Smoking in Sweden is almost gone, um, and everyone uses snus, basically. Um, 
it, it like I said, it, it truly has been a miracle. It's a shame what the EU has done. Now, in, in moving over to America, um, we have seen just recently some American companies, like I said, are, are, are offering products and they are all horrible and they should be avoided. Um, the camel snooze, they are the, the best of the worst would be the camel snooze because at least it's a little bit moist. The rest are dry. They are horrible. They are terrible, terrible products. And it is, it is snooze in name only. It really, it, 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 they shouldn't even be allowed to call it that because the product, it's like the difference between a Philly, a Philly's blunt that you're actually going to smoke rather than use the, the paper. It's, it's the difference between a cheap, you know, machine made, tobacco cigar and a hand-rolled Dominican or Cuban cigar. I mean, the difference is that large. Swedish, Swedish snus is, uh, is the gold standard. And these American products are absolutely, absolutely terrible. Um, so like I said, I'm a big fan of general, but I've tried other brands, uh, the, it is probably something that if you decide to try it, is probably going to take a little bit of getting used to for a couple of reasons. First, the particularly with the general product, they have uh, they have it they have it their own signature, which is uh, due to the use of uh, bergamot, also the salt. Just about every Swedish company uses salt uh, because it really does bring out the flavor of the tobacco. Uh, but the bergamot which is a, a, a characteristic and just basically like in every, almost every, um, almost every Swedish, I'm sorry, general snooze product, you're going to find that bergamot. People might find that a little difficult to get used to. I would say, you know, try the general stuff, particularly because you can probably walk or drive to somewhere to find it. But um, you may want to experiment with other companies also who don't use the bergamot because it's not for everything. Um I'm just going through my timeline here. Stand by. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about uh, the different, there in terms of packet snooze or, or portion snooze, which is what most people are going to use. You actually have a lot of options, um, not so much if you're just going to go to the, the store to buy it, but if you're going to go online, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about buying online, and I have a great little guide, A little, I'm going to give you a link, that'll give you a guide on the best ways to buy snus in America. Um, so there are different nicotine strengths. There are different sizes. Uh, there are different, there, there's a whole bunch of, there's a whole bunch of stuff. So the normal type of snus is typically eight milligrams of nicotine proportion. There is a, a mini version, which is four, um, four milligrams of nicotine. There are larger maxi portions, which are twice the amount of a regular portion. So that's 16 milligrams of nicotine. Um, and then you have of the, uh, at least in the, uh, in the general product category, there's a G3 line of snooze, which offers higher nicotine. They offer one, 1 1.6. I think they even offer 2.0 or 2.1. I've never tried that high, but um, I do like the, uh, what am I using here? The G3 normal strength is 1.5, and I like that. Um, I like that, you know, a little later at night. 
So that so you have a you have a variety. I would say start with the eight and maybe get the one point two. Um, again, you're gonna have to go online for those kind of choices. If you just go to the store, I believe the stuff they sell is just the eight eight milligram. I don't think you really have any uh, other choices by going to buy general in a store in America. So anyway, and and also you have different types of packets, um, not just in terms of how they they they've started making these slim packets, and I much prefer those. They're a lot easier to get in, a lot easier to situate comfortably in the in the in the in the lip, in the upper lip. I find that the larger packets, I find them to be uncomfortable and they tend to get like a little folded over on each other. But the slim packets, which is basically, it's the same amount of tobacco. It's just longer and thinner, uh, much, much more comfortable for me, at least in the, in the upper lip. But everyone's mouth is gonna be a little bit different. Um, another huge difference between the American snus and the Swedish snus is the actual, like if you buy the Camel Snooze package, it technically does have the same nicotine in it. It's eight milligram, and I and I don't know why, but for whatever reason, the actual amount that you are going to consume is going to be about two milligrams of those eight milligrams that are in it. It's not, there isn't a lot of usable nicotine. I don't know why, I don't understand why, I just know that that's true. The Swedish uh, Snooze, of the eight milligrams of nicotine that is in the, the portion, you are going to probably absorb seven to 7.5 milligrams. So almost all of the nicotine is available and usable and um, probably the reason why it's so much more effective of, for quitting smoking. What American companies have, have really done, they know how to make good snus. I'm not saying they could make a product as good as a company like General, but they could make a much better product than what they do make. The reason why they make it as poorly as they do is kind of similar to the reason why they make electronic cigarettes as poorly as they do. They're marketing the product to, and literally, I, I, I think if you look at the literature, it says exactly this, when you can't smoke, use camel snus or whatever, right? They want you to keep smoking, that is their premier product, and they want you to buy something else from them which you can use discreetly when you're indoors and you can't smoke. They have no intention of creating a product that would be good enough to actually help you quit. And that's why I believe the product, all the American products are so, are so terrible. Um, so what does that mean? You know, like uh, vapors know what three milligram e-liquid is, but what does eight milligram snus or, or, or 10 milligram snus or whatever, um, what does it mean? Um, it depends. Uh, generally, if you use, you know, I've heard people say that they put a packet of snus in and they're good for like an hour or two. I can't, I, after an hour, I'm, or even like 45 minutes, I'm kind of done. Um, I don't like to keep it in for, for, for that long. But some people say they do, and what is true is even if you are only keeping it in like for 45 minutes or whatever, the nicotine is going to last in your blood actually for a good 45 minutes after you remove the portion. So it's much different than smoking. When you smoke, you get the instant nicotine, you get a, a, a huge spike in um, in your blood, and but then it goes away very quickly, whereas with the snus, while it does release much more quickly, it 
just gives you a much more steady. It's like kind of like the difference. This is probably a horrible example, but between like if you were to not that I have experience with this, but if you if you take a drug and you put it in, in a syringe, right, and you inject it, you're going to get boom. It just it hits you or or smoking. You know, it's, it's the same thing. It gets you. You get it. It's right in the bloodstream. It's boom fast. Whereas if you take something orally, it's going to, it's like pot. Ah, great, great example. Pot, you smoke pot, boom, you get real high, and then it goes down. Whereas if you eat a pot brownie, you know, it takes a little bit longer for it to kick in. But then, assuming you don't eat too many, you have a nice mellow high that lasts for a long time. I suppose that's a good example. I don't know. Um, So people who are, you know, a pack a day, two pack a day smokers are probably only going to be using you know, six, seven, eight portions of snooze a day, if that's all that you're using. Now, uh, at this point, for me personally, I have, it's gotten to the point where I do use snooze more than vaping. That said, first thing in the morning, what do I reach for? My mod, I, I reach for vaping, absolutely. Um, I usually, at this point though, I don't really walk around with, uh, I don't walk around with my vape shit anymore, really. Um, I just prefer snooze at this point. Maybe I'll go back and I'll be vaping more. But at this point, I use, I vape in the morning and that's about it. After, after a few, after a couple hours, I mean, I don't vape the rest of the day. I just use, I use snooze. So, um, I just enjoy it more. And also it's just so, it's so much easier and, not only do I enjoy it more, it is just, it's so convenient and it's invisible. I've been vaping for five years now and I understand, believe me, I think it is a great idea to fight against these public, obviously I'm totally against these public use bans and it's a good thing that vaping has been at least a little bit normalized in society to the point where it is, well, at least it's it's more acceptable, I think, than smoking. Depends, I guess, on where you are. So that's a good thing. And the more people that see it, the better, because they're more likely to try it. That's good. That said, I'm exhausted. I am exhausted of people asking me questions about that. And, I'm, and I will always answer them, and I will always help them, but I'm tired. I don't, I just don't want... <laughs> my nicotine dependency to be multiple conversations per day. I'm just tired of it. So I snooze. I don't have to worry about batteries. I don't have to worry about leaking. I don't have to, I don't have to worry about a goddamn thing. It always works. It never crashes. You never, you never have an operating system lock up. It's just, it's just so fucking convenient and delicious. Oh, let me tell you my favorite thing. My favorite thing about snooze is when you're having a whiskey. It is, listen, if you're not, you should at least try this once. First of all, if uh, before I tell you about that, which is the, the, the whiskey with snooze is the most amazing thing ever. But the, the purpose of this this whole what, why I'm doing this, I'm not trying. I am encouraging people to try this because, well, 
should. There's a lot of people who think it's awesome. Maybe you'll think it's awesome too, and maybe you'll like it, but that's not the primary motive. The primary motive, I think, is that we have all had great success turning people onto vaping, right? Anyone out there who vapes has been able to, to take some of their friends who smoke, their friends, their loved ones, whatever it is, we have all had a lot of success getting people to switch to vaping or to, to dual use with vaping or whatever it is. Everyone has been successful in some capacity because why? Because vaping is awesome. Vaping works great. That said, we have all failed as well. There is nobody who has 100% conversion. If someone tells you they have successfully converted every smoker they have ever met to vaping, they're lying. It just isn't 100%. And that's why, that's really the main reason why I think the show, I, I wanted to do the show, is because yes, what would I what would I recommend to somebody as a smoker first? Vaping, definitely. As much as, even though I think, I don't even think it's an opinion, but okay, let's say it's an opinion. Even though it's my opinion that snooze is much safer actually than vaping, I would still encourage them to do, use vape, uh, to do vaping first because I think it'll just be more successful. That said, when someone is unsuccessful at vaping, snooze should be the next thing in line. Absolutely no question. Um, there are problems um, with getting someone, I, and I've noticed this recently because I've been on this, you know, the snooze kick for, for a while and it's been my primary form of consuming nicotine at this point. And, you know, I kind of, when you think about it this way, I kind of get why Casa does what they do, not just with snooze, but with all of the, all of the smokeless tobaccos is because um, anyone you talk to, they are just like any tobacco you put in their mouth, they all, they think they're all the same, you know? And like, I, I don't think, I don't think chewing tobacco is a great thing. I don't, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone, but is it safer than smoking? Probably. I think so. But I'd never recommend it. But at the at the same time, if it is even a little safer, is that still is that technically still tobacco harm reduction? Yes, technically it is. And so I understand why Casa is doing what they're doing, and I and I do overall support it. Um, I just wish there was a bigger distinction made between snus and the other chewing tobaccos. Th that said, public health, the public health groups in America have done a fantastic job of convincing everybody that all oral tobacco is exactly the same. People, they they don't want to try it. Uh, I show it to them. I, I, they want no part of it. They would rather, they'll try vaping, but once that's done, I, it's tough, but it's still something that you should really, you should really try to, you know, tell them a little bit about the product, that how it is so different, how it's pasteurized, how there's almost undetectable, nearly undetectable levels of carcinogens in it. I mean, you got to sell it a little bit. And if you do, you can, you can maybe get someone Now You got to kind of, it's going to be a little bit irritating at first. Once you, the first couple times you try it, you're probably going to try to use it in, you know, 20 minute intervals instead of, you know, the hour or some people, I, I don't understand people who can put, leave a packet in for two hours. Now the loose I can put in for two hours. No problem with the packets. I can't. Mike, fine. 
bikes flying around all over the place. Sorry. Anyway, long story short, in the the quiver that is your trying to help people who are smoking, uh, you know, most of the arrows should be vaping. Try this, try that, try one to try, whatever, whatever you think about. But when all else fails, snooze. I mean, it it really is. It's going to work for people. I mean, you got a whole country it worked for. Is if you could if you could just battle through those years of of brainwashing that the government has said about you know and just demonized all forms of of oral tobacco, if you can get through that and it's not easy, you may, you know, you may save somebody from getting lung cancer. Anyway, um, so let's talk about buying snus. Um, like I said, go on generalsnus.com and I'm sure you'll be able to find a store you can drive to to pick up a tin. Fine. Buying on the internet is better because you have so much more variety. Uh, there are a lot of good... Here, let me give you this link here, which is a really, really good... Uh, and this will, of course, be in the replay notes. This is a really, really good guide on how to buy snus in America. And I think... I think it does some stuff there for how to buy in the EU. I, I don't know. There's some other stuff. I only read it for the America part. And, uh, I buy from snoozecentral.com, but there are many good sites. Any Anything recommended in there, you're probably going to be fine with. But I, I, I like the Snooze Central. It's just whatever. Now, here's the, the, the best way to buy, like I said, is on the internet because you have so much choice. The bad thing is, is that um, by U.S. law, you can only get snus delivered with the, uh, they gotta, you can't get it in the mail. You gotta get it through UPS or FedEx. I think most of these companies use UPS because when it gets to you, you have to provide ID and sign for it. You gotta be over 21. I think it's either, it's either yeah, I think it's over 21 actually. So when UPS comes, you gotta be there. It sucks because you can't, you can't just tell them, you know, just leave it at the door or whatever. You can't, you got to sign for it with ID. Real bummer, but that's that's because of our government. And the other bummer is that you can't buy. You can, but it just doesn't make sense. You really are going to want to buy like 10 tins at a time, at least 10, because the shipping cost. Well, no, you go to a store. I don't know what it is elsewhere. In, in New York, I could get a tin of the General for like six bucks, which is still not a not bad, not a bad price at all, if you ask me, because that tin, that's a single tin is probably going to last me like four days, three, four days at least. So it's not expensive, but when you go online, the tins are like two fifty, three dollars. So at first you're like, wow, well that's reason enough. The problem is you got to buy a lot because the shipping they kill you with it. If you were to buy one tin of snus online, you're going to get charged twenty two dollars for shipping. If you buy 22 tins online, you're going to get charged $22 for shipping. So you got to, to make it worthwhile, you kind of buy, you got to buy in bulk, or at least you should. So one really interesting thing that has happened with the general company, with General Snus, is there's a lot of competition in Sweden with other brands that are selling a budget Snus and a lot of tobacco users or snoozers, they they shop by price. They will sacrifice a little bit of quality on the product for a lower price. Um, no different than e-liquid 
you know, the e-liquid customers, they, yeah, I know there's, there's, there's companies out there. They're doing everything right. And they got labs and they're testing for diacetyl and acetyl. They're doing everything right. But the, the vapors will go to a company that, you know, you don't really know what they're doing, but you can get 150 mils for 30 bucks or whatever, you know, people shop by price, no different in Sweden. So there are companies that are making budget snooze that has really cut into, uh, the general company's bottom line. I love the way that they have responded to this. And this is a real, this is a product again, that is meant for the Swedish marketplace, but it is an excellent, excellent opportunity for American snooze users. What, what uh, General has done in Sweden is they have uh, they have released a new line called the XR line. So what they have done is they have made several changes to the aesthetics of the product, but not changed the quality of the snus itself in order to bring the price down. Which is it's it's great. Now, even when you buy snus in America, first thing you're going to notice when you open up the uh, when you open up the can. It's in this beautiful spiral layout. It looks like a, it looks like a star or a flower. They they're arranged perfectly. It just looks beautiful. Um, this is still how uh, most of the packet forms or the portion forms of snooze, at least from the general company. I'm not so sure about other companies. Uh, their their premium stuff, quote unquote, pre is still in this nice star arrangement. So that's the first thing you lose in the XR. It's just. 25 packets in a can, boom, done. It's, you know, it's, it is what it is. I mean, it doesn't change the snooze at all, but when you open up, you don't have that, ah, nice little star arrangement anymore. You get packets in a can just randomly dumped in. That's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is they have standardized on a cheaper uh, plastic container um, that is used across the whole XR line of snooze. Um, so, you know, you, you don't get the cool cans that they used to they used to have. You don't get the star arrangement, but you get world class uh, Swedish snooze tobacco and a fucking awesome price. I mean, two fifty, two sixty. You can get these these for. I mean, what a deal! Uh, it's awesome. Sucks that you have to pay for the shipping, but um, it does get here in in uh, three days, which is nice. Did I wait? I might it might have been two days. I mean, it gets here quick, so. No, yeah, it is what it is. Uh, so I have tried. Oh shit! And there goes my bottle of water. That's great. Well, at least the cats will lap some of that up. I've tried um, a few of the different XR um, tins of snooze. I've tried the General White, the General Black, the Catch, the Rappé. Yeah, I think I think I got four of them. So the catch, which is really that th this is what they market more to um, and is more popular with female um, snooze users, is a very minty. I like it. Um, I find it to be a little bit weak. Um, it's okay. Uh, it's okay. Am I going to buy it again? Probably not. So we got that. Then we got the general white and the general black. So the difference between the white and the black is. I, I believe the, the white are, and I meant to, to go over this before, there are two different kinds of uh, pouches. They look physically different. There are white pouches and then or packets or portions, and there are dark or black ones. The difference is the white is a, a slow release. 
So when you put in the snooze, it will seep out more slow. Oh, thank God I got a call. <laughs> I'm just rambling here. All right. Questions or comments, please call in 347-308-8329. Caller in the 219 area code. You're on the air. Hey, Russ, it's James. How are you? Hey, how's, how's it going, James? What's going on, man? Uh, not too much. Um, I've been following the episode with interest so far because you're talking about one of my favorite products. <laughs> what is uh, when, What is your history of uh, using snus? Um, well, just to give you a history, I used oral tobacco back uh, probably about 12, 15 years ago. Um, I worked on a farm, and I used Redman. So I was a fan of Chew at that time, um, and then I started with cigarettes, and then, of course, I, uh, I moved to vaping, but I was looking for something that would give me... First, let me get this this out there. I'm, I've always been a fan of nets, and uh, of what? obviously we know that naturally extracted tobaccos, oh, okay. gotcha. uh, even with vaping, I mean, the stuff that El Toro put out, I was a big fan of those. Um, but uh, it was good news when Farsalinos released the information indicating that nets weren't quite as harmful as people had previously thought. Obviously, the way I look at all this stuff is it's whatever your personal acceptable risk profile is. So that's a very personal decision in how you approach tobacco harm reduction. But um, with vaping, you know, there were some things that it just did not satisfy, and that's when I started with SNUS. So, um, about so how about, how using, long ago was that? Uh, it's been about a year and a half. So uh, you know, I'm 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 very enthused with the product. Did a lot of research prior to even trying it, and uh, actually sent my wife a lot of information about it as well because uh, she knew that I had used oral tobacco in the past, and that was a big turnoff for her. So. Uh, once she got the information and read some of the health studies and the information that's out there, uh, she was pretty much convinced of the uh, the safety or the reduced harm aspect of of snus. What are your favorite? Uh, what's your favorite? Do you use packets? Do you use loose? What do you do? I use a mixture of both. Uh, what you alluded to earlier with loose snus, uh, they're called the mud slides. Uh, that's the biggest reason that I don't use loose snus in public. But of course, because there is no packet material, it releases its flavor a little bit quicker, tends to be a little less salty, and uh, you know you get a more full tobacco flavor off of loose. Mm -hmm. But the majority of the time, I do use packets, and you know I, I'm a big fan of Swedish Matches um, products, so the General Line, XR, G3, all of those, the Lab series. And one of the reasons is because of that Gothia Tech standard that they've set for their uh, their products. Obviously, they're very, very low on TSNAs, and that's great news for people who are trying to, you know, uh, use tobacco products responsibly with a minimum, minimum amount of harm. So uh, those are some of my favorites, uh, the general product lines. Uh, general Onyx, if you haven't tried it, it's haven't heard exceptional. Of it. That is a... It's a uh, black pepper and roasted lemon with a medium tobacco. So it's kind of a savory flavor, a little bit peppery, a lot of nice tobacco notes in it. It comes in a very distinctive black pouch as well in the patented General Star formation. So it's considered one of their premium line snooses. But, uh, yeah, that's one that I have to have in my rotation every day. We actually started a Facebook group called Snooze Nation. Oh, yeah, I'm a fan. Uh, oh, yeah. Probably about 
six, eight months ago here, and uh, it's really taken off quite a bit. Yeah, um, if if you or someone else could uh, put a link to it in the chat, just in case there's anybody using. Sure. It's a, it's a great group. Um, so, okay, so Onyx will be on my next order. I'll definitely give that a shot. Uh, what else the, What else do you like? Because honestly, as, as much as I, I'm doing, a sh I, I am... I'm basically a newbie, even though even though I've I used yeah. Snooze a lot, like you know, a, a year or two ago, and I was using it. I, I've almost only recently gone into it, so I don't know about a lot of the great products that are out there. I um I just go to General because the XR is so good and so cheap, and I do I've 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 gotten some of the G3, which I've been very impressed with. I honestly don't know anything about what else is out there, so I'm personally looking, and I'm I'm sure people who are listening are, are looking for other great stuff and it sounds like you'd know about it yeah the biggest thing to do when you first start out with this stuff is to find your your dosage because i will say this you know coming from vaping especially you know the problem that i ran into russ was basically that i was going through way too much e-liquid because i had stepped down my nicotine too quickly i was at six milligram but i was vaping anywhere between 18 to 20 mils a day, Jesus. which is ridiculous. And at the time I was still stub only and it was just, it was a lot of vapor going through my system and I was glued to the mod. And you mentioned the fact that since you started using this, you still want to vape in the morning. I still vape periodically throughout the day, but it's to satisfy that hand mouth habit. And uh, it's maybe to enjoy flavor occasionally, but it isn't for nicotine. And one of the reasons is because Snooze has a very uh, consistent delivery of that nicotine. So finding the right dose is very important um, because there are a variety of strengths that you can order from Sweden, so that's crucial. But as far as flavor profiles, it's very different from American products. Most American products in the uh, moist snuff category are they tend to be very, very sweet. And the Swedes typically don't like those profiles. So, you know, accessibility for somebody who's new to it, they're going to like general mint probably if they're a fan of mint oral tobacco. But standouts for me would be uh, the Lab series has one called Lab 22. It's one of the newly formulated snooses from Swedish Match, and it actually contains xylitol in it for a sweetener. Uh, some people have discuss the merits or drawbacks of using xylitol, but by and large, it's usually considered at least by the oral health professionals in the community to be beneficial to oral health, which is also a very important thing. The other thing, too, is maintaining hydration, just like with vaping, you know, I think it was, was it H-Bomb that said, if you vape, you must hydrate? Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's also true of snus uh, because it does have salt in it, mm -hmm. so it's essential to hydrate. I don't know if you found that as well. Do you end up carrying around a bottle of water whenever you're snusing? No, no, I don't. I haven't noticed it. Yeah. I, uh, I I don't know. It's I understand there's salt in it, but is it, it's. I mean, it couldn't be the same thing as eating French fries, you know. It can't. It can't <laughs> be that much. It can't that be that. Bad, it can't be that much salt that you're really taking in. No, but it, for me at least, especially considering that the portions come in a tea bag type material, um, it's also good to keep your mouth relatively moisturized yeah. when you're using the product. Yeah, but, I agree with that. Um, yeah, there's a variety. My one of my recent favorites has got to be the seasonal uh, 
Thunder V2 Tobacco came out with a Christmas edition snooze called I Snow You Love Me, and it's uh, gingerbread, which is a flavor that I didn't think I would like initially, but it turns out to be absolutely stunning in a snooze. So, but there's a lot of options out there. Hey, I was just giving a quick call. I'm really enjoying the topic tonight, and uh, if you have any other questions, I'm actually supposed to be watching TV with my wife right now. I'm I'm kind of sneaking this call in. Oh, well, I'm 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 uh, very appreciative that you did. Thank you so much for calling in, and I got a couple new things to try out of it. So, thanks for that. All right, take it easy, Russ. All right, there, there he goes, everybody. James Martin. Uh, James hosts uh, Inside Vaping on Tuesday nights. I think on somewhere. Good. Put a please put a link to your uh, to your show in the chat, uh, and I and I think there's a YouTube channel too. Um, okay, so this is what I forgot I brought up before. This is what, just of, just the crazy thing you can do with snooze that is, I find very, very satisfying. You put a packet in and you take a sip of whiskey and I've, I really perfected it where like I, I, I take a sip of the whiskey and I'm able to basically shoot a stream. I can't explain it. How you could, but if you if you give it a shot, you'll you'll get the hang of it. I can get a stream to go from you know the bottom of my mouth, obviously because gravity, and I can shoot it up the side of my mouth, up into the upper lip portion. So just a little bit of the whiskey gets into the snooze, and it's like a party. It's like. It's almost like it lights on fire. I mean, it, it you get a zoom. I mean, it's like, it's nice. I mean, you get a little wow going on, and it just wakes up the, the, the I mean, you get so much flavor. Uh, it is, it's something. Um, it, it's, uh, it's, it's a visceral experience. I mean, it is, it's nice. Um, that's not going to work with all flavors, obviously. It's not going to work very well with the minty flavors, if that's what you like, but if you're, Got a more traditional uh, tobacco flavored uh, snooze. Highly recommended. Highly, highly recommended. Um, I think my favorite is the, uh, at least in the XR range, is the Godelsberg Rappé. Um, that is very nice. There's some citrusy notes in that that are really, really good. Um, oh, and you know what else I wanted to do? Here's a just a tip because what you're supposed to do. Obviously, you're buying the snooze in some kind of bulk. You're, you're crazy if you buy less than 10 tins because of the $22 shipping, right? So what you're supposed to do, if you're going to be... Now, if you buy a lot, I mean, if you buy a lot, a lot, you buy like 50, 100 tins at a time to save money, you're going to want to like triple, you know, freezer wrap, vacuum seal them and put them in the freezer, right? Okay, fine. But I like to have... I like to have all my flavors, you know? I don't just use one kind. I like to mix up the flavors. They're all very different. So the problem with that is I don't like to keep them in the fridge. I like to keep them on the on my desk. I like to keep them in my pocket. The problem is, is that they will dry out, and that's not good. So I found a great way. Once you see or you notice that your snooze is drying out a little bit, I found some Swedish guy on a forum. All you do, you take a little slice of potato, 
put it in the in the tin and close it up. Leave it there overnight. When you wake up, you have fully moisturized snooze. You take out the potato and uh, throw it away. I have found this works well with other herbs as well. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. Um, who knew? Potatoes, so useful. You got a broken light bulb. You got some dry snooze. The potato is your best friend. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. Uh, if If you're new to this, Try a bunch of different things. Get the white, get the dark. I don't think I talked about the difference. Basically, the white packets are kind of slow release, so you don't get the flavor. And I don't think, I don't know if it changes the nicotine. It probably does. It it doesn't release as quickly. Whereas they have these brown packets. And, and and if you pick up one of the white packets, they are the, um, the, the, the tobacco is moist, but the uh, wrap or the pouch is dry. In the dark packets, the the tobacco is moist, but the packet is also moist. Um, I think they spray it with, I don't know what they spray it with, It's it, but it's moist on the outside. So you put that in, you get the flavor real quick, and the drip is faster, so you get flavor, nicotine, you get everything quicker with the darks. I like both. Um, I will usually uh, start, you know, when I start, my, my first packet, my first portion of snooze for the day is always a dark, but then I transition to the white. I don't know that. I like them both. I like them both for different reasons. So I don't know what to tell you. Like James said, try a bunch of different strengths. Try a bunch of different size. You know, your like I said, your first order, you got to get 10 or else it's just stupid. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, yeah, go to the store, buy one from, you know, whatever, buy a general white or whatever. But uh, once you're to the point where you're ready to order off the internet, get 10 things and get a bunch of different things and find out what you like. You'll find out what you like, what you don't like, what's a good strength, what's too strong, what's not strong enough. There is some, uh, there is some learning curve in it, and I, I don't, I don't know what to tell you about the loose snooze. Um, I like it. I basically use it one day a week, maybe two days a week. When it's football, football is loose snooze day because when the when football is on, that's what I'm doing. That is it. Red zone, red zone until uh, the four thirty game. Then I go to the bar with my friends, watch whatever game is, and then Sunday night football. I'm back home. So you know, Sunday is my loose snooze day. Otherwise, I'm using the packets. I still recommend it. It's just completely inconvenient. So you got to be home. I recommend trying it. All right. Um. I guess that's about it. You know, it's uh, it's interesting. I I can talk more about snooze than I can talk about vaping, and that is reflected by my uh, my usage habit. Let's uh, let's move it along. Um, so, uh, Donald Trump. What we're what we're seeing now is we we've seen it before. Um but not since the 1950s not since or, or or the 1960s at the latest we've never actually had since since those times after the you know since the civil rights movement we have never had a presidential candidate you've probably seen it in you know house of representatives but we've never had a a, a presidential candidate who has offered as policy something that is not just illegal, 
but actually explicitly, explicitly, well, it's not racist. It's, it's, it's beyond racist. It's just excluding, obviously, unless you've been living under a rock, Trump, Trump has come out to say we should ban all Muslims from um, coming to this country until we can figure it out. It's a temporary thing. Um, I don't know about you guys. I don't remember the last thing that anything a government you know, started doing as policy was temporary. Um, anyway, even if it was, it is still um, wildly illegal. You cannot make any policy that is uh, against a religion. That's First Amendment. And then there's equal protection, which would be 14th Amendment. There's probably things I don't even know about that make this just illegal and impossible. So what's interesting is, is how much this is helping him, even though, you know, it's a funny day when Dick Cheney and Hillary Clinton come out and make a public statement that is identical. You know, it's a strange day when everybody, anybody in any position of prominence in politics has, they, it, he has been universally condemned for this. But that's just the, uh, that's them. What about the people? What about Americans? Yeah, a lot of people think it's crazy and racist or whatever you want to call it. It's not, it's hard to call it racist because there's people who are Muslim that are not Arab, obviously. It's brilliant in that, I'll tell you what, Trump, as much as an egotistic, the narcissistic maniac as he is, He's got his finger on the pulse. This is not hurting him at all, at all. You would think if, if, if someone would have told me that, you know, shit, a year ago that, you know, running for president, there's going to be some guy who's going to say, we got to ban all Muslims from coming in and Mexicans are murderers and all this stuff. I would say they're going to they're get laughed out of town. I mean, that's, he gets it. Not only is this wildly popular with the people who already were supporting him? There, are, there were a lot of people before before this Muslim thing. There were a lot of people who were going for Jeb Bush or Ted Cruz or, or whoever, you know, Rand Paul. I don't know, probably not Rand Paul, but you know, others who are running for uh, for the Republican nomination. They were probably for them. Now th this. This is right up their alley. They eat this shit up. And it has gotten, he is on the news 24 hours a day. And shit like this makes it possible. So he's a fucking genius because he knows it could never, well, I say that. I say it could never happen. But then again, this, it's this, this is the same country that, you know, World War II we rounded up Japanese American citizens, American citizens, and put them in concentration camps. Um, wildly illegal. Did it stop the government from doing it? No. Obviously, as years went by, the courts ruled that it was wildly illegal and compensated those people who were forced into the camps. But um, did they still do it? Yeah. So I say it would be impossible. I say it would never happen. But what do I know? It's worse things have happened. In all likelihood, though, it's impossible. This will never fly. I mean, it's 
you know, yeah, he could do an executive. I, I, I don't see a way of him pulling it off. I do. I think it's possible for him to be elected. I actually think it, despite his poll numbers, I think it's extremely unlikely. Uh, the GOP hates him. They want him out. They want him out. They don't like him because he just he does whatever the fuck he wants. You know, he doesn't really need their support now, but it's going to get to the point when it's time for the convention where they can pull some moves where he can't out he can't he can't spend his way out of the problems. He could spend his way out of anything right now. When it gets to primary time, they're going to start they're going to start circling the, the they're going to they're going to figure out a way to push him out. I don't think even though he is wildly popular in the polls, I don't think it's enough to get him that nomination. I don't think it's going to happen. They don't want it. Now, that brings up the Ross Perot question, which it boggles my mind how much everybody is so, so wrong about this. For those of you who don't remember, uh, Ross Perot ran for president in 1992 and then much more for forgettably in 1996. But in 1992, uh, Ross Perot was running as independent, no political party, at his most popular, he was polling better than Bill Clinton and uh, George Bush Sr., uh, Herbert Walker. He was ahead of both of them in the polls. Then he did some crazy things, and he dropped out of the race, and he came back. End of the, end of the day, he ended up getting 19% of the vote, okay? If you, you know, what, what? ever since now Trump has said that he won't rule out running as an independent, I, it, it really shocks me how wrong everybody that there is indisputable poll, indisputable scientific polls that were conducted after the election in 1992. Um, the numbers are very simple. When they, in the exit polls, and nobody disputes these polls, these are accurate polls. When they asked voters as they left uh, the ballot box of those people who voted for Perot, they asked them if Perot wasn't running who would you have voted for Clinton or Bush now 24% said I wouldn't have voted at all and I would have stayed home okay what about the other uh, what about what about the rest what uh, whatever it is 76% the other 76% 38% said they would have voted for Clinton. 38% said they would have voted for Bush. It was completely split down the middle. But if you pick up the paper today, everyone says, well, Perot cost Bush the election. That couldn't be further from the truth. There is no truth to that whatsoever. It is literally 38% versus 38%. It's identical. And... Uh, I, I think that would be different with Trump as an independent because Perot really was. I mean, if you look back at his campaign, he was not a conservative or or a liberal. He wasn't really, he was progressive on some issues. He was progressive on abortion. Uh, he was conservative on some issues like uh, um, uh, border security, stuff like that, uh, um, economics, taxes, stuff like that. He was conservative. He really was a mix, you know? He, he had ideals for both liberals and conservatives. So it's not surprising that he was literally split down the middle in terms of who those votes would have gone to. 
if not him. Um, a better example would have been Ralph Nader, who almost certainly did cost Al Gore the election. With Trump, I don't know. I would have to think that the majority of people who are supporting Trump um, would either be non-voters or Republican voters. I don't think he has gotten a significant portion of the liberal the liberal voting base. I just I I don't I don't see it. But what's interesting with all this, I really think there is the possibility. That there's a couple things going on here. Um, when he started, I don't think he really thought he had a chance. I know he thought he had a chance of getting on the news every day, and obviously Donald Trump loves that. He likes being a celebrity more than he likes being a business person. There's, you know, he's an actor as much as he is a, a real estate guy. So I think when he started, he saw this, well, I'm going to get my name in the paper. And, and in reality, what Trump is making mo most of his money on these days is speeches, uh, uh, the, you know, like stuff that's actually not real estate, you know, selling books, stuff like that. He makes a lot of money from that. He's actually, you know, it's probably more than his real estate at this point. So that would bolster that Porsche, that part of his uh, career, so to speak. So I know he was, he was definitely doing it for that. Right. But there's another, there's another chance going. What, what some people don't know. Trump was a, for, for his entire life up until now, was a Democrat. Bill and Hillary went to his last wedding. Um, he's been a Democrat forever. I've been, you know, I am most familiar with Trump from his, oh gosh, dozens and dozens of appearances on the Howard Stern show, mostly via phone. Uh, entertaining guy, for sure. Um, his fights with A.J. Benza, oh, legendary. So that's how I'm most, I, I was never a watcher of the, uh, what's that show, You're Fired, uh, what is it, The Apprentice or whatever it was. Or, you know, he's got a million shows. I'm not familiar with any of those. But I am familiar with him on, on Howard. And he did always speak his mind. I never heard any of this stuff before. He's, he was always a liberal guy, you know? I mean, for fuck's sake, he's, he's always been pro-choice. He's, he's, he's always, he's been a liberal guy. Um, taxes, everything. I never remember him for all those years. They would call into Howard. I never, he was a reg registered Democrat and he was very liberal, basically across the board. I would be so happy if this was the case. Just, you know, it. I, I really don't know. This really might be a long con. It really might. There may be a day where, it gets right up to the point where he's about to be nominated, where he goes on TV and he says, I just pranked America. You motherfuckers are crazy. I don't believe any of this shit. I just did this as a goof and you all proved yourselves to be fucking racists, idiots. We may be heading for that day and that would be the greatest practical joke that has ever happened in the history of of American politics. I don't know. I give it like 20% that one day he's just going to come out and be like, you fucking idiots. I fooled all of you. You never know. I, I, I don't think he believes this shit. 
How did how did all this stuff change? I know what the guy has believed in for 20 years. What this this all changed overnight because of terrorists? I mean, listen, there are certainly some people I have even changed some of my stances. I before before 9/11, I was very very much in favor of completely open borders. Now, I don't really know there there are there are very few things in politics that I don't have a strong and concise opinion on. The whole border border security thing, I don't even know. I really don't. I don't even know what what is I think it's extremely complicated. Listen, I know. The, the one thing, just denying access to coming to this country based on religion. I know that's wrong. I know that's completely fucked up. Un and First of all, it's unenforceable. They don't put your religion on your passport. I mean, for fuck's sake. If you want it, if you're a bad guy and you want to come to this country, fuck, you could say you're anything. Say you're a Christian, you're an atheist, whatever. You you can lie and, you know, shave or whatever. You know, not if you're, you know, it's it wouldn't work. I mean, these people will do anything to get in here. You think they're not going to just shave and lie? I mean, how can you tell if somebody is is Muslim or not? They have to tell you. It's not it's not on the paperwork. How are you gonna? The only people who are gonna get caught up on that are the people who tell the truth. You know, it can't work. It, it could not do a lick of good. Anyone who is willing to kill themselves and or, or risk themselves being killed to kill a bunch of people in a terrorist attack, they are going to lie. This is meaningless. It's nothing. It's a bubba mices. It's it's ridiculous. That said, I, I I guess we should be doing something. I guess we should be doing more than what we're doing. It's tough. I mean, I guess we really do have to. I mean, shit. I'll tell you what. If Donald Trump had come out and said ban all people coming here from Saudi Arabia. I wouldn't be, I don't know if that's good policy, but it makes a lot more sense than ban all Muslims because we know Saudi Arabia is the biggest, the biggest creator of terrorism in the world is Saudi Arabia. They have all this money. They give to all these fucking terrorist organizations. They, they're the worst. The worst of the worst is Saudi Arabia. Everyone talks about Syria, this, that. No, Saudi Arabia. But shit, man. It's almost like I don't know what the right answer is. But it seems like, I, I don't know. It seems like something. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. But um, it's a crazy it's a crazy time, you know? Um, I, you know, first of all, if you've listened to the show before, I hate all religions. Um, do I hate them all equally? Um, it depends what year it is. Uh, today, is is Islam the worst religion? Yes, today it is. Um, if you go back to the 1940s, Catholicism was absolutely the worst religion. They were deep, deep, deep in bed with Hitler. And, um, you know, 
only fairly recently only you know they stopped with the jew hating shit you know so back not too long ago you know some of you were probably alive who are listening uh the catholic church was the most dangerous form of the most dangerous religious organization um it was radical catholicism um except with all the you know hippie jesus shit it was just all the bad stuff you go back a few thousand years before judaism was the worst you got to go back pretty far for that though but is Islam the worst religion today? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I'm not a fan. Um, it's getting scary. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the right thing to do is. I, I think the only the only real way that, you know, and obviously the, well, here's the thing. The people who are radically or the radical Islams who are actually, you know, running terror camps, breeding suicide bombers, all that stuff, right? Here's the thing about them. A lot of people say, you know, that they're they're the radical Islams. They're not representative of the real people who follow Islam, who are Muslim. Um, that's not true, actually. What they are, the thing, the thing about um, Islam, you know, they, they've got a bunch of books the big one being the Quran. Um, while the Old and New Testament are uh, notoriously self-contradictory, uh, they the, those books contradict themselves all the time, right? The Quran does not. Um, not very often. It's rather straightforward. And what those people who are blowing people up and, you know, all that shit, they're just reading the book and taking it word for word. They are real Muslims because what they're doing is exactly what that book says you should do. What, the way you, sh you should live your life as a Muslim. They're, it's all in the book. They're not making this shit up, you know? The people who are, uh, you know, you know, pray a few times a day and, you know, maybe wear a, a, a headscarf, you know, but in all other ways are just, you know, kind of like regular Americans, you know, they're not real Muslims. Uh, according to their book, their God is none too pleased with them. I think the only, uh, that said, the only way that this shit that's happening is going to stop is if those bad Muslims who are just kind of, you know, westernized or whatever, who are not following the book as to what it says, they have to do it. We can't do it. We can't, we cannot bomb the crazy out of them. Can't do it. Too spread out. They're in too many places. It can't, can't declare war against them because war you declare against the country, you know? You, you you can't win this fight with war. This is a this is a fight that has to be won philosophically. And the only people who can really do it are moderate Muslims. We, as a United States, vis-a-vis -vis the military, they can't fix it. You can take out a few key guys every now and then, but there's a there's a hundred more of them right behind a thousand, ten thousand, who knows how many, right? You can't win this war with bombs. You have to win this war with philosophy. 
Ähm. Oh, jetzt tough, huh? What a fucking crazy world we live in. I, you know, I don't think, I think this is the worst that's ever been. I mean, you'd have to go back to World War II when the whole world was just, that was worse. But just in terms of the number of wars going on at once, I mean, after that, you had Korea. Okay, so Korea was a war, and that was a war, but there was no other, there was nothing else going on. Then there was Vietnam. Okay, there was Vietnam, and there was nothing else really going on. Okay, and then you had, you know, little shit, you got fucking Panama, Grenada, little fucking nonsense, right? Little shit. Then you got a, the country over here, they're having a civil war. You had some, you know, destabilization after the Soviet Union. You had some little pockets here and there. Things generally happened one at a time, though. Now, everything's on fire at once. Uh, and no, it's not the same scale as World War II, but there's more wars going on right now today than there ever have been before ever. Like I said, we can't, we can't fix this with bombs. And I'm really going to go a step further with that. We created this situation with bombs. If you go back to the 1950s, do a Google image search for Iran 1950-something and do look at the pictures. What you're going to find is women wearing probably more uh, progressive uh, clothing than women in America in the 1950s. This was a very, very liberal country. Women had equal rights. Uh, level of education was, was very high. The uh, radical Islamic portion of the population was extremely small and politically insignificant. This was a progressive country with a democratic uh, system of governance. This was, Iran was a great place. Then what we did was we I don't know if this was the first major thing, but it was the first major fuck-up that we did in the Middle East. We wanted that oil. We really wanted... So what we did was... Uh, you can look up um, look up Operation Ajax. This is not conspiracy theory shit. This is well-known. This, uh, this is all documented. This is all... Most of the shit is all out in the open. It's not classified at all anymore. Operation Ajax was um, something we did with the CIA to destabilize the democratically elected Iranian government at the time. Um, and what they did that led us to do this, they nationalized uh, their oil. Um, and that made us mad because we helped them build the ship. So we got mad. We said, well, you can't do that. And they said, yes, we can. And we said, okay, uh, CIA, can you just go ahead and topple that government? And they did. And we put in the Shah of Iran, which was, he was a brutal dictator. Um, and the resentment against America began. There was none. There was none. Iran was just fine with us. And we were just fine with, and then we put this fucking Shah in. He was a terrible guy. Absolutely awful. People started to hate us. 
because they knew it was us that put him in. They hated the Shah. They hated us more because they knew that he was really us. So everybody, the whole the whole country virtually hated the Shah of Iran. So there were a lot of, basically everyone was against him. And then by the time you get to the, the mid to late uh, 1970s, now that really insignificant radical Islam, Islamic portion of the country, they were getting in the paper. People were saying, hey, you know, these guys, maybe it's time, you know, we... You know, the rest of the, they were still a minority of the country in terms of people who felt this way, that there should be uh, sh uh, Sharia law and all this and all this the crazy. But they said, but you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll make them a part of our coalition to overturn the government because they're like violent and stuff. And we need some violence right now. And violence they had. The, sh the Shah was overturned. But then what happened? This coalition uh, the problem was most of that coalition didn't know how to be violent and ruthless enough as the um, Iranian revolution, as the uh, violent and, uh, I'm sorry guys, as the violent and uh, the Islamic, Islamic, uh, radical Islamic portion. I don't know why I'm losing my thoughts here. So that's how it started. That whole Iran is the way it is today because we destabilized, and then we continued to poke and poke and pick fights, pick sides. I mean, we have been on both sides of every major war in the Middle East over the past 60 years. We supported Osama bin Laden. Oh, now we got to be against Osama bin Laden. We supported Osama, uh, Saddam Hussein. Oh, now we're against him. Syria, we've been on both. I mean, we can't pick a side right. Every time we get involved over there, it fucks everything up. And you're, and the, the, the net result is, now this takes a long time, but now we've gotten to the point where there has been so much blowback, there has been so much damage to innocent people. Keep in, keep in mind, most people, most Iranians are good people, peaceful people. They don't want the government that they have. They have, but they, it's so entrenched, they have no way no feasible way for a revolution. Same thing in all over the world. All over the world, most people are good people. Whatever your religion, whatever your beliefs, people are generally good. But I ask you, what if, I don't know, pick a country, it doesn't even matter. What if someone from country X came to America and blew up your family? What would happen to you? Would you become radicalized against the country? or the group that did this to you? Probably. I can't say for sure that I wouldn't completely fucking lose my mind and want to go over there and kill people. That's what's happening every day. We're going after these bad guys, and yeah, of course they're bad, and we blow up a bunch of women and children and, and people who have nothing to do with any of this. What do you think happens when we do that? You just created a thousand new terrorists. A thousand new people who want to destroy this country. They didn't have a strong opinion on America before. Huh? Never did nothing to me. All of a sudden, hmm? where are all these shells lying around from General Dynamics? Where my family used to be. Um, 
we are creating more and more terrorists. And the only way to, the only thing we can do is de-escalate the violence in the region. And that's not exactly popular. That is not a popular political thing. The people love revenge. I remember after 9-11, shit, I was right there. I was beating the war drum. Me, I was beating the war drum. Why aren't we going to war? Why isn't there war today? On September 12th. I was saying, why are there not jets in the air bombing the fuck out of everybody? You go a little fucking crazy, you know? The only thing that's going to de-escalate violence is less violence. I, I know that sounds simplistic, but that's the only way. We have got to stop doing this. We have got to stop being the police, the policemen of the world everywhere, all the time. And for fuck's sake, you, you can't, you can't hope for a good, if you're going to arm both sides of a war, what do you think is going to happen? How can you win? It's fucked up. tough it's and it's not going to get any better i mean unless you like just stop all immigration or like reduce it now to be fair this has been done before i mean when we have been at war for example world war ii japan uh germany and italy declared war on us so okay we're at war what did the country what did our government do they said oh you know what we probably should drastically reduce immigration from those countries that are explicitly against, uh, that, that have declared war on us for any uh, persons of military age. You know, that should, we should probably really, really ramp up the. That makes uh, makes sense. It does make sense. Um, I don't know. Oh, stuff. You know. You know, Canada doesn't have these problems. <laughs> Switzerland doesn't have these problems. Norway, Denmark, fuck. China doesn't have these problems. They stay out of it. They're smart. I mean, how crazy is that? That China is a much more peaceful country than America. How could it be that way? Yeah, sure, they pick on uh, fucking Taiwan. They beat up the, you know, they, they, okay, they do that. But that's all they do. That's all they do. They're just a bully against one country. Otherwise, they keep their nose clean. They don't get involved in any of this. I mean, we don't, we don't have the money. We just don't have the money for any of this. Even if you think that there are, we should get involved with all these terrible things happening all over the world. Um, Okay, maybe. If we had the money, we don't have it. We're going broke. We have got to pull all this back. Oh my God, the money we would have if we would just pull, we got a thousand military bases in the world that are not in America. Yeah, we got a shit ton in America. Okay, I get that. We got a thousand more around the world. We're in debt. Like 12, 13, 14, 18. I don't even know what, the, the number doesn't even make sense. It's not a number you can comprehend when you're into the teens of trillions of dollars, we don't have the money. How can you keep doing this? We're fucked, man. We are fucked.
Norway and Switzerland and they sound, you know, I like the cold. That sounds great, but hard to get in. <laughs> Fucked up world. Yeah, that's good for now, huh? <laughs> 